right. Second Timothy, we've been looking at the, the topic of faithful living in fretful times. What kind of times would be fretful? Well, how about if you live in a time when good is being called evil? That could be considered fretful times, couldn't it? I mean, people are sometimes being actually imprisoned these days for just standing on what God has always established to be truth. Uh, if you stand up for what God's Word says, sometimes you're labeled as spouting hate speech. And actually, it's like, well, no, it's love speech because I love God, <laughs> okay? Um, sorry you feel that way. And we should never think that because we're called to follow Jesus Christ, that we're called to a life of ease and softness. Uh, we're really uh, being told by Jesus Christ that uh, we're going to, when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, he said, you, you may have your very own family members, your biological family members uh, re reject you, come against you. Uh, you know, if you're going to come after me, you need to do what? You need to take up your cross daily and follow me. It's not necessarily an easy path sometimes, but it is the right path, and it is a blessed path when you want to love God, love Christ, and serve Him. So in the passage that we're looking at tonight, uh, here this evening, uh, I want to ask a question if we understand the difference between two different words that almost sounds similar. One word is the word oracle, and the other word is obstacle. Well, I'll help you out here a little bit. You probably know the answer because you're such an intelligent group here this evening. I, I know we know what an obstacle is. We don't use the word oracle as much. An oracle in the dictionary is defined as a person considered to provide wise and insightful counsel. So, is it good to have oracles in our life based upon that definition? It is, okay? In other words, they're going to be someone that might even stand in front of you. You might be headed in a certain direction, and they might say, hold on, let me give you some guidance here, uh, not just from my own ingenuity, not just from my own smarts and experience, but let me show you something from God's Word here. Now, it's, it shouldn't be done in a haughty, arrogant way. It should be done in love. It should be done in humility, right? If you see a brother who is overtaken in a fault, in other words, he's going the wrong direction, it says, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of what? Meekness. You know, there's that, like, hey, listen, I haven't arrived. I'm still growing, you know, but let me just share with you what God has to say. And, you know, you be the judge about this. That's the spirit of an oracle. An obstacle, on the other hand, is something that hinders progress by blocking one's way. And the idea is in a, in a bad way. If we say something is an obstacle, it has that negative connotation to us, right? Um, we, we hopefully wouldn't think of a guardrail on a steep mountain road as an obstacle. I was trying to run off the road and go down into that ravine, right? Uh, no, we, we, you know, an obstacle is something barricading, uh, keeping you from getting to where you need to be. And so tonight, we're going to talk about 
resistance, but we want to understand that it's that idea of an obstacle. Uh, I know a lot of times people don't like even the oracles in their life, but if you're trying to live for Jesus, you're trying to grow in grace, ultimately you're going to appreciate someone that comes into your life and say, eh, can, I, can I direct you a little bit here? And it may feel like resistance, but they're really being that guardrail, aren't they? They're being that guardrail. This passage is not talking about that kind of person. It's talking about the individual who's going to be more of a spiritual obstacle in our life. And along the Christian life, we're going to meet some individuals that seem to have a knack of trying to get people sidetracked. They, they specifically have a knack at coming up with certain issues, certain topics, certain questions that can be very engaging sometimes. They can kind of really, we could get wrapped up in these things. But is it helping us on the path of getting more conformed to the image of Christ and growing in grace and following Him as we should? And so this is what Paul is writing to Timothy about. Be cautious about these kinds of people. These individuals typically will not see themselves in this way. You know, if you take a poll and you know, okay, I want to know if there's any people who are functioning as spiritual obstacles in this church. Can I see a raise of hands? You know, if you're waiting for that to happen, no one's going to raise their hands because these people typically see themselves as, well, you know, I'm just teaching my convictions or I'm just following what I believe is right. But they themselves could be blinded, typically are, and misguided. That's what makes it a little tricky. So what do you do, though, when you run into someone like this? And by the way, you know, how are you going to know the difference of whether someone's being an obstacle or an oracle? Well, the answer is going to be, are they really able to back up what they're saying by the Scripture? Are we going back to the Word of God? So it's not just your opinion or your beliefs, but this is what God's Word has to say. And so if you find someone's like, well, you know, they're, they're saying this is about God, but they, you know... And they may quote a Bible verse, but I'm pretty sure they're taking it out of context. And that can happen too. Satan was good at that, by the way, right? He did that in Matthew chapter 4 when he was tempting Christ. He quoted the Scripture, but he wasn't being an oracle even though he was quoting Scripture. He was being an obstacle. See how that works? So that's what's going on here in the passage that uh, we read tonight. And so what do we do? Several things here. One is... We need to decide, I'm going to avoid certain discussions altogether. Now, you don't have to be out and out rude about this, but sometimes you feel like, you know, well, they, they keep coming to me with these questions. They keep bringing up this topic. What am I supposed to do? And you might just need to have a kind but very frank conversation with them as, listen, uh, this isn't helping me in my walk with the Lord. And, you know, this might be something you're interested in, but it's not helping me. Now, what does it say in verse 23? It says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. I remember when I was in school, someone saying, there are no dumb questions, only dumb answers. And, and that's, that's good in a way. That has, uh, that has integrity to it because... 
what you're trying to suggest to someone is feel free to ask a question like about math or history and, you know, don't be shy about that. But, but really, this is saying that there are some questions that shouldn't be asked, right? There are some questions that actually do what? They, they need to be avoided. They, they tend to, rather than create edification and spiritual growth, they bring conflict or strife into the body of Christ. Now, what kind of issues are these? Well, these are issues that have no clear resolution to them, but have a way of dividing people based on their opinions. You get a lot of heated discussions, and people sometimes really like to have these discussions. But in the end, the Bible may not specifically answer it in an objective, clear way. And you say, you know what? Maybe that's your persuasion. This is not a hill we want to die on here. And I'm, I'm okay with you differing from me on this because the Word of God hasn't spoken directly about this. Holy Spirit hasn't shown me that. Now, we can get into different topics about wardrobe choices, right? Now, does the Bible have anything to say about how we dress? It does. It has some very broad things that talk about, you know, clothing yourselves in modest apparel. And then there's a whole different bunch of subcategories about that, but modesty means I'm not trying to draw attention to myself in an improper way. That doesn't mean that if someone comes in and says, you look nice today, it's like, oh, I'm not being modest, they noticed me, okay? You know, you can go too far with something like this. But the idea is, you know, hey, you know, do I fit in? Hey, if I went to visit certain missionaries on the field and I dressed like I'm dressed tonight, I might not be modest, right? Because I would look so out of place, perhaps. And so I might say to the missionary, okay, how are your folks going to be dressed? And they're like, well, you know, they wear their best, but, you know, the way that looks is, you know, they have these nice shirts that have this stitching on the front. They don't tuck it in. I think over like in the Philippines, you know. I, I always envied missionaries from the Philippines because then they come back and they're like, you know, is it okay if I dress in my Filipino Sunday morning attire so your people can see? And I was like, man, I wish we'd learn from that. That looks comfortable, you know. But, but we understand the concept, okay? Now, if, if someone wants to argue, you know, hey, if you're not wearing a necktie, then you're not being godly in that way. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt wear neckties, right? And on and on we could go. Now, it's just one category. We could talk about other things as well. Sometimes it is uh, hobby horses, if I can put it this way. Say, so what's a hobby horse? And if you're picturing like what my grandson Josiah has, which is one of those little rocking horses, no. I'm, it's, it comes from that concept, you know. You know, because he gets on it and he goes back and forth, but he doesn't go anywhere. Just back and forth. And that's kind of what some topics are like. One of these that I think of that comes around every once in a while is biblical numerology. Now, let me just tell you, there, you can't argue the fact that there are certain patterns with numbers in the Bible. You know, sevens. I mean, it, it's inarguable that you see seven being used uniquely over and over again at certain times. The number three, you know, 
It's called number, number six is actually called the number of man. There is some credibility to this, but can you go to seed in this area where you begin to delve so deeply into it that you start to do like some of the Masoretic uh, uh, Jews did where they're actually counting letters across and looking for sub-meanings in acrostics of these words? Yes, that's a problem, okay? This is the kind of thing that's being talked about. And all of a sudden, people are like, well, you're not spiritual if you're not following this. And, and the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that. And actually, it's going to lead to strife among people. The word unlearned here in this verse has the meaning of trifling. It doesn't mean that there's the completely ignorance because you can listen to some people spout some of these unlearned questions and they sound very scholarly. They've done a lot of reading. They've poured through the internet day after day to come up with all these different things that they love to talk about. But in the end, what's the point? It's trifling. Of course, in a group of people where there will be disagreement as to what is classified as a question uh, or should it be something that's a conviction that we need to hold to? That's typically where we run into problems. One person may say, no, no, this is, this is really, really important here. And another person's like, but the Word of God doesn't say that. We have to be careful. What are some things like this? Well, I already mentioned modesty, but some entertainment choices. Do we need to be careful about what we indulge in when it comes to our entertainment and our amusement? Absolutely. But do we also need to be careful about being very dogmatic about the specifics of what we do to the point of saying, well, if you're not living just like I'm living, then you're not a very good Christian. We talk about music, guidelines for personal relationships, all these different things. Again, God's Word gives us some great principles, and we need to follow those principles. God's Word is not hands-off on these categories but some of the ways that we come up with specific principles, we need to make allowance that that's our practice. That's how the Holy Spirit's living up with us. But they necessarily can't impose that upon everybody else and saying, you're not following Jesus if you're not doing it exactly like me. So just because there may be varied responses in application does not mean that the topic should be relegated to unlearned questions. Now, this is dealing with it going too far the other way. Say, okay, well, let's talk about the issue of uh, whether women should be ordained to preach in churches or not. Because I have a cousin, and they go to this church, and their pastor says that it's okay, that that was just a cultural thing of the day. But I come over here, and so there's disagreement. So maybe that's one of these unlearned uh, you know, questions where we just can't be certain of. No, because the Bible has spoken about that issue, right? It says that if someone's going to be a pastor, needs to be the husband of one wife, and it also says that, that women need to, when it comes to teaching and preaching, when there's men around, they need to be silent, and they need to not usurp authority over the men. Now, is that some way pushing down women in a disrespectful way? No. No, it's just honoring the order that God has created in creation. And I'll tell you what, you know, I think some women make some great teachers and preachers of other women, right? That's where you have women's retreats and 
classes and ladies' Bible studies and stuff. But you know where the Word of God does speak clearly? Just because there are differences of opinion doesn't mean, well, you know, that's, that's the way they practice and this is the way they practice, so I guess we just need to let everybody do as they please. Not where the Word of God is clear, okay? So we need to be careful about that. Secondly, the Bible's teaching us here to be cautious about becoming argumentative. Oh, that's so hard not to do, isn't it? I'm zealously affected in a good thing. You know, that's my life verse, right? Just bring up something. I'm I'm ready to, I'm a fighting fundamentalist, you know, someone might say, right? It's like, you know, just draw the line, and here it comes. Well, no, what does it say here in verse 24? The servant of the Lord. It's already describing you, you know, not the soldier of the Lord, but, you know, I'm the servant of the Lord. Humble. And it refers primarily to the Christian minister. But listen, aren't we all called to be the servants of the Lord? Aren't we all potentially going to face people that are going to bring questions to us of a biblical nature, and we're going to have to have a response to these things? It's not just for the pastor of Anchor Baptist Church or for Pastor Brian or Pastor Stan or Pastor Dale. No, this applies to all of us. The meaning here is that the servant of Christ should be a man of peace or a person of peace. He should not indulge in the feelings which commonly rise to contention. And what you say may be accurate, but the way you're saying it might not be very Christ-honoring. And, and I, I can think of examples like this where I've been in, and I remember it in college, you know, because you get a bunch of young guys, and they're all studying the Bible, and by the time you're a sophomore, your second year in college, hey, you know it all. You're wondering why the professor hasn't asked you to teach the next day. I say in jest, partly. But I remember some of these good, heated theological discussions. Don't you remember, Pastor Brian? You know, you get together, and you have these heated discussions, and they're like, no, 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 you're wrong. Schaefer isn't right in his theology. You know, he's, he's really off the, you know, and you get into all these things. And you really see the egos come out, Right? That's not what's described here. The Bible says, even, and we're talking about, remember the context. These are people that you're looking at. You've already established their obstacles, they're not oracles. And so they're wrong. They're not handling this right. But even still, two wrongs don't make a right. So I could come at, you know, this is my right to tear into them. No, I'm not going to strive. Okay? I'm going to be very careful about my deportment here. I want to be gentle unto all men. Wow, what a great testimony. What does Proverbs say? A soft answer does what? Turns away wrath, right? You know, fathers, when you have your sons, and this is a tough one, right? Because we dads, we're like, I want my son to be a man, right? Come on, boy, grow up. And so, you know, and the wife's over there, be gentle on him, sweetheart, you know. He's only two, okay? <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we as dads, you know, we, we, we get that, you know, I want to prepare him for manhood, you know? And so we get a little tough. And sometimes, even in the Christian life, we get a little bit uh, heavy-handed, maybe, in these things. That doesn't mean that we can't be very direct and unapologetic for what we're saying. 
but we can still have a spirit of humility and meekness about us. That really brings a sense of respect in the eyes of other people. Uh, we shouldn't bring it to the point of, I've got to win this battle. We need to be concerned that Christ is honored. But sometimes we make it very personal. In other words, you know, I'm not walking away with them getting the last word. Well, what's the example of Christ? Did he ever let other people have the last word? Pretty certain there was a lot said at, at Calvary's cross and Jesus didn't reply back. Does that, that mean they're superior? No, not at all. So we need to be very careful. We need to be mild-tempered in how we handle these things. We also need to be grace-guided in our approach. The second part of verse 24 and into the first part of 25 talks about this and uses several different words to describe this. For instance, uses the word gentle, which I think the idea of mildness is good here. This word is used in 1 Thessalonians 2.7, for instance, when it talks about being gentle as a nurse who cherisheth her children. You know, there's that, hey, they're, they're children, they're young. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to watch over them. I care about their well-being. Not abrupt, not harsh, calm in tone, you know, We've probably all been somewhere where some mother in public like really snaps at the child. And, and maybe the child's being disobedient and needs to be corrected. But the way it's done, it, it just kind of makes all, all of us you know, around just like, ooh, you know, I'm uncomfortable with that. And your heart just goes out to this poor child. So in the same way, we need to avoid what? Loud volume? You know, sometimes, and I so appreciate my wife, um, I, I'm a big mouth, okay? If it wasn't for the live stream, I probably wouldn't need this microphone, you know, but sometimes I, I get, you know, really excited about something I'm sharing, just even a story, and, and my wife will have to do this little, you know what I mean? Okay, just for those of you who can't see, I'm just a little hand finger motion like that, you know, just her very sweet, submissive, you know, you just might want to dial it down a little bit, dear, you know. Strong tones, uh, rapid-fire responses. Sometimes someone says something, you're like, well, you know, and you jump right into it. I, you know, I, do you picture certain people in your mind that you've learned from over the years, like, you know what, I like his example. I'm going to skim that off of him. I need to be more like her in this way. I do this all the time. Uh, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. had a saying, skim the cream off the top of everybody you meet. I love that. And so I've often, as I meet certain people, there's something that really resonates with me about their Christian character or personality. And I'm like, I go away saying, Lord, help me to be more like him in this way. Help, help that to be cultivated in my life in, in that way. And, and so in the same way, I think of some people that I've known. One guy from years back, uh, and his name was Roger, and, and it annoyed me a little bit at first when I got to be with him, because when you would talk with him, and you'd finish something, there was this almost uncomfortable pause, and he would just stare at you for almost two seconds, and then he would reply, and I realized, you know what, he's very measured in his response, 
and then I started thinking, I'm like, I've gotten myself a lot of trouble because I don't take that two-second pause, okay? But, you know, when you are uh, in a conversation, and, and especially if you think someone's disagreeing, you're already thinking about what you're going to say next, which is kind of dangerous too, by the way. And so as soon as they take a breath, you're like, but, hey, but, well, you know, and you jump right in. That's not necessarily mildness and gentleness. Secondly, the idea of being instructive. You know, we need to be apt to teach. You know, do you have good information based on the Bible? Rather than just using your frustration. Well, you know, that just irritates me when you say things like that. Give them something substantive. Well, okay, maybe you do. Just because you're frustrated doesn't mean that they're wrong. Might just mean that, you know, you need to, you know, come around. And so come back, well, that's interesting you say that, but have you thought about this? Give a well-thought-out answer that explains on the basis of biblical truth what your position is on something. You know, then if they just disagree with you, then you walk away and say, well, you know, I, I'm just showing this is, this is where I am. Don't want to get into a long argument with you, but you think about it. Being patient. Literally, the word is the idea of to place, your, it comes from a Greek word, means to place yourself under. We tend to squirm in certain situations in which we could make adjustments. You know, I can't wait to get out of this situation. I'm very uncomfortable here. Um, but life may get tough, but with God's help, you can stick it out. It's okay being in an uncomfortable situation for a time. We don't always need to run from those situations. Uh, you ever invested money and, you know, then you've watched and you're like, well, it's starting to dip a little bit, but your advisor is like, hold on, this is how my, uh, for my retirement policy, I'm like, I remember when I first started with this, and he's a Christian guy, I was like on the phone, I'm like, oh, I just, I just looked at my 401k, I'm looking at the, you know, the uh, mutual funds, and it's just been going down for the last three days, you know, do, do we need to sell something, what if, you know, wait, you be patient, okay, the market's going to correct itself, you know, this is the way it is. It's going to go down, but it'll go back up in time, and we're investing for the long haul. So, you know, you learn this, this patience, and so it is. Maybe you're sitting there listening to someone, and you can just feel yourself getting tense. Just ask the Lord, Lord, calm me down. Help me to listen to them, and help me to be able to respond in Christ-like love when it's my turn. Meekness means being harnessed, similar to the idea of being gentle, but it carries the idea of literally holding yourself back. Uh, Galatians 6.1 requires the Spirit when seeking to restore a Christian. We just talked about that. You know, if you see someone take, overtaking a fault, you have that meekness. You know, hold back some of those sentiments. Hold back some of those aggravations. Meekness is obedience to God's direction, but not trying to bring about the end result in your own strength. You know, in other words, we always think, but, but my goal is good. Yes, but is your approach biblical? Is it Christ-like? We need both, don't we, folks? And then fourthly, be Christ-like in your objective and goals. Be Christ-like. Imagine riding down the road with a friend, and then all of a sudden you realize that he missed an exit, you know? And what needs to happen in the car is similar to the Christian life. There needs to be, first of all, a change of direction. 
You know, you don't just keep, oh, well, that was the exit I needed. Let's, let's just pick a different destination, right? He said, that's ridiculous. Sometimes people act that way in life, you know. Well, that didn't work out, you know. No, you need to repent and say, Lord, bring me back to where I need to be. Do some U-turns. That's what repentance is all about. It's a, it's a change in attitude that results in a change in action. If there's real repentance, there will be a change of behavior. But it, it starts with the mind. In other words, I'm really convinced I'm wrong. God's right, I'm wrong. This involves realization of what has been needs to be different. Thing is, we like status quo. We don't like change. And the longer we're stuck in something, the harder it is for us to change. Habits, right? But, you know, with God's grace, we can change those things in our life. We need to pray that God brings change into people's lives. There aren't hopeless cases from a man's perspective. We don't know what God's going to do in someone's life. And then we need to not only change direction, but drive correctly. The, the last thing here is the idea of recovering themselves here in verse 26. Seeing them protected, rescued, if you would. The phrase comes from the idea of getting, getting sober. You serious up. In other words, this is important. You know, there's too many people goofing off in the world, and it's getting worse. And what's really sad, and there's no excuse for it, Christians that aren't serious-minded. That doesn't mean that we can't have fun and laugh, but I'm talking about your approach to life. The prodigal son in Luke 15, he was a goof-off, wasn't he? But where does it all change? It changes in verse 17 when it says these words, And he came to himself. He sobered up. He changed direction, and he said, I need to drive correctly. What a blessing it is when you see someone start to steer in the way that God would have them to steer. And so, friend, this is all describing us as servants of the Lord. And what a joy and privilege it is to serve Christ. Does that mean that when we serve Christ that He's not going to bring difficult people into our life? No, quite the contrary. He's probably going to put them in our path, right? And that's, that's why we need to be in the Word. And we need to be on our knees in prayer. And, and we need to be excited. Hey, God, you've placed this in my life. Let me think of it as an opportunity. An opportunity to see your grace at work in my life. I don't know why you put this neighbor next door to me when I bought this house. And, man, he's tough. And, and, and typically I'm waiting to see has his car pulled out before I go outside because I don't even want to talk to, you know, Mr. Jones over there. And you realize, wait, that's not right. Maybe this is an opportunity for me to reflect Christ. I know what he's going to talk about. What do you have to fear? You have Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God. You know what you're afraid of is your flesh. Well, you know what? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And so that's good for us to pray. Lord, you know, help me to be someone subdued and servant-minded. And then help me to have these attitudes that help me when these people that are like obstacles come into my life. Use me as an instrument for good. Amen? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Help us to grow and to put into practice 
We live in fretful times. Lord, help us to live faithfully, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.